Welcome to the most valuable fucking show you're going to listen to all week. Find out what your natural rhythm is and do your most daunting tasks during your prime energetic time. If it lives in a box in the garage for more than 12 months, you don't actually need it. So throw it away. So if you really <laughs> want the best of my creative energy, you come at me at like eight, nine o'clock at night and we'll go, go, go. You come at me at eight, nine o'clock in the morning. Fuck you. This is Unfuck My Business. Welcome to the Unfuck My Business show. I am your host, Chris Delaney, and today I am joined by the crew. So with me today talking about the end of year cleanup, we're going to discuss a little bit about the holiday season being a good time for you to clean some stuff up in your business, maybe even in your own home, who knows, but we have a cast of characters here today. We have Robin Sales. Good morning. Good morning. I was too busy gulping down coffee. <laughs> that was a poor choice on my side. It's okay. We'll work through it. We have Jinx as well, the grumpy bastard himself. What's going on, sir? What's up, people? We have Jennifer in the house. Hello, hello. And of course, we have Danielle. Hey, what's up? So today, we're going to be discussing, as I mentioned, some ideas around us. The end of the year, it's time to clean some stuff up, get prepared for 2021, because we know the ball is going to be dropping People are going to be drinking and they're all going to get gym memberships for maybe a month. Well, maybe not this year. Who knows? It's been a funky year, right? But we're going to go through some strategies from a kind of an informal standpoint of different areas we're passionate about that might be able to help you create maybe a checklist for you to go through some things and start the year fresh, rejuvenated, and on the right foot. So I want to start off with Jinx. Now, I know that you are known as the grumpy old bastard of tech. And most of the stuff you say about technology goes over my head, but I would love to know from your point of view, from like maybe cybersecurity technology and maybe something even personal. Let's do that too. Maybe, maybe something we know technically and then maybe go into some personal stuff too. What, what are some things that you think folks should be focusing on to clean up at the end of the year? Well, I think one of the things that gets neglected a lot of times, especially in small businesses when you don't really have like dedicated IT and that sort of thing is doing a, an end of the year security checkup. You know, looking around at your business and all of the platforms that you use and the equipment that you use. And it's a good time to go ahead and change your passwords, create a new master password list, um, run through the various security checkups that are offered on each platform. Google is quick to remind you, hey, you haven't looked at your security in a while. Why don't you go ahead and review your setup? You know, um, I think as part of your your end of the year business cleaning uh, it's a good time to to really take a look around and make sure that you're up to date on all of the platforms and securing all of them. So a good thing to take a look at, maybe some securities and passwords. I am definitely whew, not so much for clients. I'm hardcore about clients. When it comes to my personal stuff, I could be a little bit better. LastPass stresses me out. So what can we purge, you think, when it comes to the technology side of things? We talked about what we can look at. What do you think we can get rid of? From a purge perspective, I mean, 100% always evaluate your tool sets, subscription-based services in particular. Every year, we always look through and make every team who is using a platform tell us that they're still using that platform. And you'd be surprised the number of subscriptions that you might still be holding that you're not. We've cut several thousand dollars a year out of our budget every year just by evaluating old tool sets and subscriptions. So the things that we sign up for that we think are going to help in the moment, maybe the criteria of us, you know, I like to look at, does this make money in my business or is it doing something to protect money in my business? Do you guys have any criteria or is it just simply how frequently do we use this? Because new stuff's coming out all the time. How do you choose? 
I mean, it really comes down to, is this still part of a daily workflow or, or however often it needs to be? I mean, some tools are not going to be daily. Some tools might be monthly, but still critical. But is it still part of our regular recurring workflow? And is there another tool that we're already using that potentially fills this gap? And so it's duplicative, you know? If you have redundancies in your business systems, then it's a good place to go, okay, do I really need both, you know? Do I really need both? I like that a lot. Well, I want to I go over to uh, Jennifer real quick too, because I know of our group as well, you come to the table with a lot of technology solutions too, but I would love to maybe hear from you. What is something that you want to look at at the end of the year and maybe something you purge as well? Sure. So really jumping off the, the tail end of Jinx's statements, it's a good idea to really evaluate any disaster recovery you have systems that you're maintaining for your DR sites, take a look at that, make sure your data is backed up and all of the proper boxes are checked off there. I would also say just being in the space that I'm in, one of the things that's often overlooked as you're preparing for the next year is vendor contracts. So mm. take a look at term and terminations and you know what's going to renew this year. Are there any requirements? Am I wanting to seek to reprice who I'm working with now? So it's a good idea to make sure I get in that 60-day notice or whatever that time frame might be and do any necessary due diligence to prepare for any sunsetting of any relationships that you have. Um, put tickers on your calendar. Make sure you stay on top of that because sometimes a lot of the subscription and the software um, based contracts tend to have auto renewal periods. So you just really need to keep an eye out for that. Also, I would say it's an election year. There's going to be other regulations that's coming down the pipeline. So I would just be very aware and conscious of anything that's impacting your business. I also look at any compliance rules because those change constantly and just being on top of you know, do I need to do things differently in my business on an account of something that is out of my control? And lastly, I would just take a look at your insurance policies. Make sure that you're still covered the way that you think you are and make sure that you're not over covered as well. Mm, so make a list, check it twice, find out which vendors have been naughty or nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I like, I like the, that. <laughs> I, I feel like, and this is interesting too, the compliance stuff, and I started with you and Jinx for a reason, because I feel like this is the kind of stuff that people like get so bogged down by. And it becomes cumbersome, especially if you're somebody who's an entrepreneur, because we're so bad at follow through sometimes and getting caught in the weeds. Is there, is there a tried and true method you like to use when it comes to reviewing things like compliance or insurance policies? Let's say I'm a small business or a solo shop? Is there a great way to kind of dive into that? Maybe some organization they can do? Honestly, I would just know what is required. Education in and of itself is the best place to start, especially when it comes to insurance policies, because sometimes we leave it to the experts, so to speak, of the insurance companies to tell mm. us what is right and maybe doing your own research on that or talking to other business owners that have a similar business model to you to maybe compare and contrast what is actually needed. So just even having those conversations has always been super helpful because, of course, the insurance companies are going to be biased in what they want you to purchase. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I would look at that from vendors. 
you know, that relationship standpoint, I would always say have a template. If you have SLAs, which are technology-based kind of service level agreements in terms of uptime for software, if you have those, like you need to just, those need to be at the forefront of any documentation that you have. So you just always have something to reference back or you have standardization within your relationship contract so that way it's easier to maintain those. I love it. And, and as somebody who's a former insurance agent, I can't reiterate enough that an insurance company's job is to mitigate risk for the insurance company, not necessarily for you. And so that's why I'm always a huge fan as well. I like what you said about compliance. Might be a good time for you to figure out a good system for having a general counsel or a legal partner that can help you with that, that has the best interest of the business, which I think is really, really strong. I want to come back to that. That was a good point. Love to go over to, uh, to Danielle here as the one who I learned about online business from. What are some things, Danielle, that you think is important to look at at the end of the year? What do you think that we can pitch in the trash? So I would love to come at this from the energetic, um, mental and emotional spaces. I think that that's not always talked about enough in business, especially as entrepreneurs. So I'll come from that standpoint. So things to look at. I would first of all do an inventory of, well, first of all, your numbers, because that matters in business. But how, how did you do and how does it make you feel? Is this something that's actually in alignment with what you know is the best that you can do? Do you feel like you shortchanged yourself? Do you feel like you surprised yourself and you're thrilled with your numbers? And then, you know, where's the gap and how can you bridge that so that you can ultimately have that inner fulfillment and that level of feeling like you are truly successful at what it is that you're doing? Because I know you did not start a business and become an entrepreneur to just feel like you're not making it. So it's important to evaluate that. As well as from the emotional standpoint, how does your business actually make you feel on a daily basis? Are you excited to get up in the morning and, and go to work in your business or on your business, whatever it is that you do? Or is it absolutely stressing you the hell out? These are things that you do need to evaluate. This is important. And from that standpoint, you need help. Like if it is stressing you out, who do you need to hire or bring on to help you? What do you need to delegate? These are really great things to look at as you're going into a new year based on you know, what happened this past year. And just be hot with yourself, honest, open and transparent about what you really actually feel and what you really truly need. So this idea of you know dealing with the mental, emotional and taking the inventory, getting hot with yourself. What do you think is a good strategy for maybe looking at what you can remove out of your business? I think one of the things that would come up for me in hearing that is I'm a huge proponent of the mental, emotional, and spiritual component is the idea that entrepreneurs are constantly in fear of missing out and we're constantly looking for opportunity to grow. So it's almost like our business takes up so much space in our lives, especially if you're a newer business or you just got impacted by, by COVID this year. What do you say to somebody who is just gripping onto all these things and has a struggle with maybe delegating or automating things in their business? Yeah, I would say number one, check your energetic and emotional and mental state. Are you waking up every day absolutely stressed out? You have no time with your family. You're doing all the things. You're so busy, but you're not actually moving the needle forward. Are you feeling disconnected? These are all questions that you need to ask yourself and then like take action accordingly. If there's something that you can release, do it. If it's something in your business that is absolutely stressing you out and taking away from your actual zone of genius, the thing that you really actually love doing and is your bread and butter in your business, let it go. Have somebody else do those things. And then also, this is also coming from the millennial, right? But I'm like, 
create your business around your lifestyle, not the other way around. I found that that is going to allow you to have greater levels of fulfillment and excitement and actually be able to thrive in your energy for your business, for your clients or for what, you know, whatever business you have coming at it from a perspective of you're so excited because you've actually taken the time to be present in the moment and enjoy your life. The dividends are exponential. So your business around your life, not your life around your business. Mm-hmm. We've had that discussion a lot. That is definitely oh, yeah. a core philosophy of mine. I think that's amazing to start with. And I mean, there's so many ways to make money in the world today. That's one thing. So many people create jobs for themselves when they move into the space. But I'd like to come back to some of the stuff we just talked about. But um, let's go over to Robin real quick. Because I know you had some interesting thoughts on this topic. But from your standpoint, in the branding and the messaging world, what are some things that you think that people need to look at at the end of the year during the holiday season? I think this year in particular... It's critical to go through and audit all of your brand and your brand messaging because so many of us had to make a pivot or an adjustment in the wake of a global pandemic, in the wake of stay-at-home work orders, in the wake of, oh shit, my business used to be totally in person and now it's totally online. (laughs) And how did that change my messaging? And how did that change my promotions? And how did that change the products and services that I offer? I just looked at my own website the other day and realized I have the wrong price on something. (laughs) And and now it's the time to evaluate, do I even want to have prices out there, right? Is the messaging that's on all of the pages of my website still in alignment with the messaging that I'm putting out in the world? It's really easy to make quick pivots and adjustments to your messaging in social media and in some of those more temporary things, but you have this sort of running record, which is your website, and we sometimes forget about some of the lesser looked at pages in that running record known as our website. And so now is a good time to go look at every landing page, every sub page, Every image, every message, every headline, it's exhausting, but it will totally pay off. And if you just take the time, you know, maybe it's one hour a day over the couple of weeks that you you have a little slow time during the holidays. Take one hour and go look at, do I need to fix this? Do I need to fix that? Is this still in alignment with the message that I'm sending? And I would also say that sometimes we make pivots for certain audiences that don't affect other audiences. So one of the things I talk about when I talk about brand alignment and brand consistency is, are you telling the same story on every platform or am I going to get a different story on LinkedIn than I am on Facebook? Because that's going to create interference. It's going to create brand disconnects. But maybe in the wake of a global pandemic, you had to change your story on LinkedIn. Now's a perfect opportunity to go make that story consistent across all your platforms and make sure they're all in alignment. And that when I go look you up, I'm not getting 16 different stories about who and what you are and what you do. I'm getting one consistent narrative about who you are and how you can help me. So go look at all that messaging, go look at all the deep dark pages on your website and check all your links. Make sure all your links are still clickable and still go to the places that you want them to go. (laughs) No 404 pages. God, there's nothing more embarrassing than getting that email from a client that's like, I clicked this link and I got an error message. Oh. (laughs) What what is something, so you talked about uh, brand audit, brand messaging. (laughs) 
I mean, that that's so important. You know, you have people who are like, I don't know how to social media, but I think it's just as simple as you just said, selling the same stories at different places, how you can help what you do. What is something that you think that um, folks can get rid of? What can they purge? From a brand perspective, this is the time to always evaluate. Have you picked up on any trends? There's a lot of marketing trends. There's a lot of design trends that pop up over the year. And we sort of subconsciously let that eke into our branding and our marketing when really you should be applying your brand ruthlessly and not succumbing to trends. So I would say from a branding perspective, if you've picked up on any marketing trends which come and go, purge those and go back to just applying your brand ruthlessly. Stick to your fonts, stick to your colors, stick to your imagery, stick to your messaging, and don't hop onto trends. Especially if one of the trends you picked up on is during these, you know, normal times. During these times of uncertainty, our brand, (laughs) nobody wants to hear that shit anymore. We all know that these are uncertain times. How the fuck can you help me? Don't tell me what I already know. Don't hop onto the, we really care about you bandwagon. If you weren't already on that bandwagon prior to all of us being trapped in our houses, right? (laughs) So if that's one of the trends that your brand messaging picked up this year, please flush it. And go back to just being you and talking about how you can help me because I know that we're in uncertain times. I don't need 14,000 brands to tell me that. So I'd say from that perspective, that's what you can purge. Personally, I'm a, I'm a bit of a gadget whore. <laughs> and so I have a bit of shiny object syndrome and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this will be a fun way to do this. I pick up like software and gadgets over the course of a year and then I forget about the stuff that I already had. So I will physically like open up desk drawers, open up boxes. What equipment do I have? Am I using it to its full potential? And if I'm not, can I give or sell this to somebody who can use it to their full potential? I love donating old equipment to organizations and stuff that can benefit from it. And especially right now when there's a lot of kids attending school online, if you've got tablets and computers that are sitting around collecting dust, there are organizations that can repurpose that equipment and get it in the hands of kids who need it. So I have so many, so many. Yeah. So if you're a collector of gadgets, like I am, please find a way to repurpose them. There's also recycling efforts. So if the technology is just defunct, you can take them to recycling centers that will either recycle them or repurpose them for charity as well. Since, you know, we're talking about end of the year and the spirit of giving, Go physically clean out your stuff. And is there something that somebody else could really benefit from? Go find a place to donate it or do something with it. Love that. And I want to uh, share mine that I think that we need to go through from a strategy standpoint. And then I want to go through and maybe discuss a little bit about minimalism, bloat, all that shit that happens in business sometimes. I know for me, I'm a very strong minimalist. I would love to go through and and hear from you guys too, because I think that plays into things. Because as much as we take that swift action sometimes... We all know that it's not sustainable if there's no supporting of that habit throughout the year. So everybody ends up in the same place next year, living the same year in a different way, right? So I think I'm going to share kind of my point of view too. I love how everybody kind of had like their focus in their area. So for me, with really business strategy, speed the market's really important to me. But there's one thing that I'm always really interested in when I talk to leaders and when I think about my own work is when I'm taking on something new, the first thing I look at is my information flow. 
And I try to find that information flow from the best sources possible. And I think that that is the key to shortcutting really the results you're looking for. Oftentimes, I find people who are getting their information from, let's say, their finances, from their financial advisor in their business. And I'm like, bad source. Not to say they're not great at what they do. It's just they don't know financial strategy within the business. It's a different world. And so I started taking a look at, you know, who are you listening to for the things in your business that matter? Because if you don't have some people in your industry who are sharing insights or people like in this group right here, I created this group because of information flow. Great people who are great at what they do, that I trust their opinion. And I also know they're leading from a place of experience. So I guess right there, if it's not somebody who's done something that you're looking to do at least two or three times in their life, just don't listen. And you're going to cut down so much of shit you don't need to hear from from people and it's going to help you take action in areas that's meaningful to you because i think danielle also said stress and i think stress comes from constantly being in the weeds with so much information and as an entrepreneur as a business owner it's all about synthesizing that information and making the best decision possible and you know a mindset to take with you into the new year is how can i make my decisions faster so i can get feedback faster because the feedback then lets you create a feedback loop to then take a different action if you need to because very rarely is there going to be something that's going to kill you right nobody's going to die from this um assuming you're not obviously a doctor or a surgeon i should say that's a little different but that could be good so information flow and i kind of break this down into uh two categories i look at resources that i need you know, I look at my business and I, I break it down to the core functions. I was sharing with a good friend of mine. He's in the fitness space. And I was like, let's take a look at it from the standpoint of the body, right? You have all of your limbs, right? You have the strategy piece, which is the brain. You have the limbs, operations, marketing, finance. And then you also have like leadership development, people in your business employment. And then the revenue is really the bloodstream, right? The revenue with no blood, the body doesn't stay alive. So then we have to take a look at these areas and kind of do a good look at you know, how these are optimized. So many people end up going to the gym, especially as dudes. We go to the gym and work just upper body, no legs. No legs equals no foundation, right? That may look good sometimes, but you know, we see those legs in the summer and they're looking a little chickeny. Well, we need to start doing some squats, guys. So you have to do what's uncomfortable at first, which is going to be the mindset thing I want to talk about in a second, which is habit formation. So that's super, super important. So I look at resources that I need. Do I need something in operations? Do I need to automate, delegate, eliminate? Do I need a key person that's better than me at analyzing certain information I just don't have time for now because now I'm ready to transition into that next phase of my business where I can focus on more high-level stuff. Do I need good marketing members? Do I need a good marketing team? What kind of marketing is it? Is it digital marketing? Is it social media marketing? I think those are important. And I'm really beginning to also examine whether I'm thinking about future growth or protecting my business. And I think that's scarcity or abundance in that mindset, which is most people don't assume growth in their business, so they get really fearful about spending money. So I'm a person who likes to solve problems with money, as long as it's a good decision. And then I also take a look at my finances. Do I have good systems in place? As an entrepreneur, that was one of my biggest growing pains, was really understanding as a, a quote-unquote, having to wear all the hats as a CFO, understanding the flow of the cash and where it's coming from, and how to make some of these decisions, especially since I'm involved in a bunch of stuff. I think that's really important. So resources. The second thing is relationships. And relationships are one of the reasons we're here, if not really the reason we're here. People with relationships can, can get a lot of stuff done. So I started taking a look at what relationships are necessary for me to break into new markets that I need to get into, what relationships are necessary for me to shortcut actions that I can take and get new people in my life that are going to bring quality and also speak to that information flow, which I think is crucial. 
So that those are the things I look for. I look for the resources and the relationships. And I'm thinking about information flow. That is the most important thing for me in my life, which is how can I restrict that flow down? Do I need somebody in my business? Like right now, Danielle sourced an amazing executive assistant for me. And my main focus to her was help me remove the stuff I don't need to know on a day-to-day basis. So I can just focus on what I do for my teams. And that's going to help me out a ton. And then I also started restricting my time spent on platforms and places that I need to be. So that'd be the purge. The purge would be like, get rid of this shit that doesn't help grow your business. And yeah, find hobbies and stuff like that. It's important, but also recognize that most of our time today is spent scrolling through social media. That it honestly doesn't make you any money. And people are going to say like, you know, well, it's just research. Okay, tell me what you've looked at. <laughs> Let's find out. Let's see what's there. So purging that out, I think is important. And I think that that will lead us into the next section, which is I would love to go through and identify for you guys. I think this would be cool. If you're a minimalist or if you're a hoarder, <laughs> I didn't take any over or under with anybody in the community yet on the, on the bets on this. Maybe we should have, but love to find out if you consider yourself a minimalist or a little bit of a hoarder or maybe in between. It's a continuum, but I would love to hear from, from y'all about this. I would love to start with uh, Jennifer real quick. Are you a minimalist or are you a hoarder? I would definitely say that I'm a minimalist. Having lived as an army brat for a large part of my teen years, you couldn't grow an attachment to things because you're always moving and moving every single year is tough if you hoard. So we purged <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so do you, uh, with, with your businesses too, and kind of the things that you do, do you find yourself bringing that into your businesses or is that more of a lifestyle thing for you? Oh, no, that is absolutely a business thing as well. The moment I could go completely paperless, I did it and I purged every piece of paper that I ever had. I do that nice. constantly awesome. in business What about as you, well. Danielle? So I'm going to choose the term a sentimental minimalist, which is kind of like a hoarder, but not a hoarder hoarder. It's like, it's like between, okay? Because <laughs> there are certain things that I am such a sentimental person. So if there's something that like, a client has given me or if there's like a piece of information that like means a lot because there's like an emotion attached to it I'm gonna be prone to keeping it okay I even have a folder not even a folder it's a box let's be honest okay I'm gonna call myself out it's a box where I will keep important like papers or information or something that has sentimental value to me but in business I do also in terms of like files and things like that it is important to me that I am constantly clearing those because if anybody's ever seen my computer, I have approximately 80 tabs open so much. at all given time. And it, uh, it, you know, it slows my computer down. So as long as I can get rid of those files, that is something that, that I will go through and do. But yeah, I would, I would identify as a sentimental, sentimental minimalist. Materialist. Is that what you said? No, a sentimental minimalist. Minimalist. Sentimental minimalist. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to wrap my mind around this made up idea and I was like, that makes sense. We'll go for it. Say it really convicted. <laughs> what about you, Jinx? Everybody knows I'm a hoarder. I'm not a minimalist in any fashion. And, and it's funny because I was an Air Force brat who moved eight times in 13 years. I completely understand that whole perspective of keeping it light. I think when I finally got into a place where I settled down, I wanted all the things. So, <laughs> But the thing for me is like I have... You know, what some people consider organization drives me insane. I, there are a lot of people that I know, uh, you know, a lot of my partners who are everything has to be in a box. And this whole concept of I have to go in a drawer to get something out and then put it back in a drawer. I do not do that at all. No. <laughs> my, my workspace has everything that I use in my workspace in hands reach. That's how I organize my things. 
Um, and that may look like crazy to some people, like a wild mess or something, but that's my system. I, I know where all my things are. And there's this meme where it's like, uh, hey, I need a paperclip. Do you have one? And uh, the boyfriend responds, yeah, it's on the floor next to my desk chair. And literally, <laughs> the girlfriend comes back and posts this photo, and there's this one paperclip like laying on the floor next to the desk chair. That's that's my thing. And as long as people aren't moving my stuff, I know where everything is. You know, that's a real thing. We put stuff where we know where it is, as guys. You know, <laughs> and, and so I'm just I'm I'm really functional. But you know, in in keeping with the whole end of year purge and clean and all the rest of that, uh, on a personal front, that's a good time to you know evaluate your workspace. And, you know, see if there's anything there that probably needs to be in the trash or, you know, things that you haven't used in a while. Because my whole thing is, has always been, if it lives in a box in the garage for more than 12 months, you don't actually need it. So throw it away. And if it's on the desk for more than 12 months and I haven't touched it or used it, it's probably trash throw it away. <laughs> so I do reset my workspace from time to time and I have a new desk coming in soon, which I'm super excited about. So I will have to move everything off the surface of the desk. And I guarantee I will suddenly discover a lot of things that don't have to make it onto the next desk as part of that process. So as you say things on your desk for 12 months, you're not saying anything organic is like really growing on your desk for 12 months, is it? Oh, no, nothing organic. No, generally it's it's things like <laughs> stacks of business cards that I haven't gone through. Like I have multiple stacks of business cards around my desk. Books that I've either intended to read or have read and just never put back on the shelf. You know, like, like I have little working piles of books that I intend to go through. This piles fiction, this piles like business stuff, you know, it, it's all things like that. And then, of course, like vape supplies, because I'm married to my vape and I have vape stuff all around me. Nice. Let's go to uh, to Robin. So I'm going to be the asshole who says I'm both. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. I have found a comfortable balance between work life and home life that that operate in very distinctly different ways. So when it comes to business, very much fall into the minimalist organized category. I a shudder ran down my spine when Danielle talked oh about the number of tabs she had open because <laughs> that gives me like anxiety. I can't have more than like three tabs open. If they're open and I'm not using them, they need to be closed. I am that person that like when it comes to business, like things have a place and they need to be in their place. And if there's too many things stacked up, then I can't clear the clutter in my brain to be able to focus. Fun side story. Once in my corporate days, I got called into my boss's office because my coworkers were under the impression that I must not have enough to do because there was nothing on my desk. And I had to like open all my drawers and show them my organization system. I'm like, I'm sorry, it doesn't look like a bomb exploded on my desk, but that doesn't mean I'm not busy and I don't have things to do. Like when it comes to work, I am that color coordinated, organized, sorted type of person. Personally, however, <laughs> I don't, as someone who works in the branding space and understands the importance of words, I don't resonate with the word hoarder. So I choose the word collector. <laughs> I am a collector of things. I am a collector of many, many things. I am the person who has an entire collection of specifically Johnny Depp action figures. I am that type of individual. Um, mm. Currently, I am collecting way too many houseplants. 
And so I'm struggling to like find space to put the next ones that are inevitably going to come home with me. And then eventually I'll get to a point where I'm like, this is ridiculous. And some of them will find new homes somewhere else. And so I do have that sort of like binge and purge tendency when it comes to my collections. We've been working on moving some stuff around and I cleaned out my office yesterday and I'm not ashamed to admit maybe a little bit that I threw out like three garbage bags worth of stuff that had just accumulated (laughs) (laughs) in the storage area, you know, like the stacks of papers that you're like, Oh, I might need to refer back to that. Insert the SpongeBob three years later. Like I've never (sighs) referred back to that piece of paper. It's got to go, but it's got to sit there for three years before I realize that it's got to go. So I, I business super minimalist, super organized personally, Oh, do not look behind the curtain. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the closet you've been jamming all your shit into that you're worried the hinges are going to blow up when people are there for dinner. I I have one of those closets. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Usually it's uh, it's Tupperware for our place where it's like you open it up and everything just falls out because that's the one place or just whatever. Um, We have like 20 Tupperware lids that you're like, what the fuck does this even go to? It's like Chinese food you ate eight years ago, you know? I am for sure a minimalist as much as possible in life and in business. I can only deal with so many tabs being open on my computer. It stresses me out if there's too much going on. I remember when I had to transition from Safari to Chrome (laughs) and it stressed me out because now my autofill passwords weren't there. Nothing was there that I was used to. And it was just like, all right, well, damn it. This is going to take me longer than expected. So it was, I had to plan it out to like really transition, but with clothing, with stuff, like I don't like to hold on to stuff. My thought process is I'll spend good money on something, but my evaluation is like, how much am I going to use it? So, you know, folks who are like, man, those shoes or, or a blazer or whatever, I'm like, I'm going to wear this a lot, you know? Technology I'll spend money on too. And I'll admit, I know Jinx loves this too. I am definitely an Apple guy. I will say that the Apple iPhone 12 is complete bullshit. Because all they did was take the iPhone 5 and jam it on the iPhone 11 and said, here you go with 5G. But um, you know, I like to have a good ecosystem. I think the things that matter most to me from a sentimental standpoint is I give a lot of books out. And I love books. I think they've always been great. When I talked about information flow before, like books definitely changed my life. I think I've given a copy of Think and Grow Rich out probably at least 40 times of copies I was reading and just gave it to people. But my standpoint is I like to be lean and I like to, to, to not feel encumbered by stuff. I think when we moved to Florida, I moved here with three bags and that was really it. So if I couldn't fit it in a backpack, my duffel bag, and there was like this other box and that was pretty much it. I can't stand clutter in my house either. I'm not a huge fan of clutter. I will say that I am that person though, that if I am tired, I will throw my clothes on the floor before I go to bed. <laughs> Let's take care of it in the morning. But I also like to, uh, to set my space up before the next day. Uh, one of uh, a good friend of mine, and I would like to maybe transition into this idea of habits and supporting habits, how little things become big things over time. And um, one of the things that he mentioned to me was this idea of planning tomorrow, today. And this idea was, uh, as, an, as an entrepreneur, we're always worried about so many different things. But if you can focus on controlling what you can control, little things become big things. So Little things like where you read every morning. So for instance, for me in the morning, I have like certain habits that I hit, one of them being reading and has been for quite a while. And so if I have my journal and my book in the same place that I read, I no longer am thinking about it. It's off my mind. 
if I have the coffee cup set up for the coffee in the morning as well, the previous night before, it's one less thing I have to worry about. So like, these little things are no longer on my brain. And I really focus on you know a certain specific amount of things. I think at the beginning of the year, and this would be a great place to kind of dig into our last topic, which is like supporting the changes that you're making. I think too many people add so much shit on their plate at the end of the year that they struggle because their capacity isn't there. And they don't realize because they get bombarded with social media of like, habits change in 17 days. It's not true. It's meaningful repetition, 21 to 266 days and, and 10,000 hours from Malcolm Gladwell's outliers he talks about for mastery. So I think you know we want to make these wide sweeping changes, but it's tough when you start the beginning of the year and you're working out for you know an hour and a half when you never worked out a day in your life before that for the year. And all of a sudden you're stressed out, you're trying to eat well, and then your business hits you too. And it's just 30 days of that's going to be pressure. So from your standpoint, I would love to know, you know, how have you developed the systems in your business that guide you into those habits that allow you to like really perform on a day to day? Because everybody here is a high performer to really be effective in what you do. Did it take a while for you to kind of find that routine for you? Did it take a while for you to kind of figure out what works best? And maybe you have an unconventional routine too. Like I refuse to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, no matter how much people put that on their Instagram. No, thank you. I love my sleep. <laughs> But I would love to uh, to start with uh, with you, Robin. What what are some ways in which you've kind of developed your routines and and developed that environment for yourself? So, in the interest of full disclosure, the way that I am hardwired, I am not hardwired for habit. Habits are very very difficult for me. I live for spontaneity. I live for change to the point where it is literally hardwired into my DNA. There are very few things that operate the same way every day for me. And that can be a challenge. It's an interesting challenge to tackle, but it can definitely be a challenge. I think especially if you're a parent and a business owner. So in both of those roles, you have people who are relying on you to set some consistency and to set some pattern. And when you're not built for consistency and pattern, (laughs) you have to be really, really focused to mitigate that and try to provide that for the people who are looking to you for it. So it does take a lot of commitment and a couple of things I've learned that have worked really well for me. So if anyone else is listening to this going, dear God, yes, I can't establish patterns. I can't establish routines, build them where you already live. So I kept trying to build habits into other systems, other programs, but I live in my calendar. It's to the point now where I even tell my kids, like, you have to send me a calendar request. Because yeah, I'm going to forget that you told me offhand in passing in the hallway that you have a birthday party on Saturday, right? You have to send it to me so that it goes into my calendar. Because if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. So now if there's habits and routines I'm trying to establish, I make sure those are in my calendar. Because if it's, again, if it's not in my calendar, it's not going to happen. So I've started building them where I live. And now I have these little pop-ups that are like, hey, remember you wanted to go take a walk today. Hey, remember you wanted to spend 10 minutes reading this morning. And that brings my awareness to it and allows me to go, oh, that's right. This is important to me. I need to stay focused on it. Or this is important to people around me. I need to stay focused on it. So I build those habits where I already live. The other thing is... um, I've taken time over the last couple of years to get much more in sync with nature, which sounds a little crazy, but a lot of the things that we do from a 
fiscal year perspective, from a calendar year perspective, aren't actually in alignment with growth cycles, with the cycle of the moon. (laughs) And so if you look at like a farmer's almanac, you know, you'll realize that like January is the worst fucking time to try to establish a new habit. And here we are trying to set New Year's resolutions in January when it's the worst time. It's if you were planting something, you would not expect a new shoot to pop up in January because that's not when things grow. That's not when we establish new habits and routines. That's when we should be curled up and cozy and doing quiet reflection and introspection. We should be reviewing the past year and getting ready to blossom and do new things in the spring. And so for me, I shifted any of that kind of work to March. So I don't expect to like completely reinvent processes or, you know, I'll never set New Year's resolutions because I know that from a nature perspective, it's the worst time to do it. And and I'm in alignment with that. That's how I work. So for me, it's a horrible time to do that. So I wait until the spring to try those new things. And they tend to be much more successful. They grow roots, if you will, much more hardy, much more beneficial, and they're much more likely to stick if I do it at the right time for me. And I am also not a morning person. So if you really want the best of my creative energy, you come at me at like eight, nine o'clock at night and we'll go, go, go. You come at me at eight, nine o'clock in the morning. Fuck you. Yeah, there's a there's a standing rule for me that I built into my life that I don't talk to a human being until 10 a.m. At least I need a solid if I get up at six, like a solid four hours of my time before I even talk to anyone else, because I think that's another part of it. But you mentioned something super interesting in there, too. I think it was... um, uh, Jim Rohn had a, a, a talk about this and he wrote a book on the seasons of life. And I think that those patterns become so interesting because the whole idea of if you look at written history, the same patterns have emerged. You know, winter, you don't plant, of course, because it makes no sense. And then I think it also kind of reflects back into, you know, in your personal life, you may have that winter time where I think a lot of people think that things aren't working for them because they're trying to force it. And it's a time for reflection. I think somebody said once, uh, winter's made for winners because that's where you're really reflecting onto your mental state how you've approached things in reflection and then you plant in the spring and then the summertime you actually enjoy some of that weather and then the fall is the, is the harvest. And I think sometimes if we push too hard on that, we try to, you know, not honor this natural system. I'm a firm believer. I'll put this out there immediately. The beliefs that you talked about when it comes to those seasons and nature, you're talking to the right people. Cause I love that shit. I think it's important to honor these things that so many people have for such a long time. I was going to say, you can paint it with ever, with whatever brush you want. Right. Yeah. But like, you know, whether you want to live seasonally or whether you want to live in alignment with the, you know, astrological signs or the moon or whatever, you can call it whatever you want to call it. But there are forces of nature. There's energy shifts. And I just got to a point where a couple years ago where I'm like, why am I fighting against them rather Mm. than working with them? Right. And so that was a huge thing for me personally. And then it also ended up having a big impact on my business as well. So look at those energetic forces around you and try to work with them instead of working against them. If you really want a habit to stick, that's the way to do it. If you're trying to cram in a habit against a tide, it's just not, it's going to be so much hard work when if you waited until the right time, the universe would literally help you and buoy you you know, towards whatever that goal was instead of this trudge uh, 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 to get there. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think you know to 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 not think about those things is to restrict your information flow. And I think it's important. Really, really high level folks they take into consideration these things, and they have advisors like Danielle. That I want to go to you real quick too, because I know that there are hedge funds, there are major corporations, there are these massive companies that people don't realize behind the scenes employ a spiritual advisor or somebody who understands energy on their teams, um, because that's a big part of how they synthesize information. Um, and they also have coaches and those other stuff as well. So I would love to hear from your point of view, you know, that the, the habit mindset, high performance, like we just discussed, what do you, what do you go for? Absolutely. So in my own business and what I help my clients with this is a huge part of what I actually do in my business is helping, helping those high performing entrepreneurs set themselves up for success to avoid burnout, stress, and depletion, because we are prone naturally to those things. We take on everything. We typically say yes. We're typically control freaks. We think that nobody can do it better than we can, right? <laughs> so I know I'm, I'm one of those people too, so I get it. So something that is really important that helps a lot of people as well is looking at things from quarterly perspectives. So looking ahead from, from an entire quarter. So you have essentially three months, right? To understand, okay, what is the projection for this and this and this? And if I'm working on this right now, what is the natural energetic flow of progression of what's going to come next? And having that mapped out ahead of time, it doesn't mean you have to be you know, completely glued to that. That's going to, to shift as you go. But that is a really amazing guiding principle for you to really get your energy behind what your year is going to bring for you. And it doesn't matter when you start your year, you know, like Robin said, if you're starting, if you're starting, you know, your new re renewal of things in the spring, I'm just talking about the calendar year whenever you start your year, okay? It doesn't matter when. But that's going to help you really gear up your energy, your mental states, your emotional states, your physical states to prepare you for what is ahead. So that's really important. Another thing you can do to really optimize um, your energy and productivity and to boost the productivity in your business is to have forward-facing days and behind-the-scenes days. So what I mean by that is having particular days of the week where you are just seeing clients. You have client days particularly. Then you have other days where, you know, you may be creating content or you're doing administrative expenses, whatever it is for you behind the scenes. What this does is you, you're activating your left brain and your right brain on certain days. So when you're in the brain wavelength of momentum, you actually get more done and your energy is in greater alignment with what you're actually doing. So you have greater potency in what you're doing. And you can typically get more done in less time. So that's another uh, really great thing to do. Also, you know, somebody mentioned this, it might've been you, Chris, you know, people say, if you want to be really successful, you got to get up at 4.30 a.m., bro, and blah, 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 whatever. But none of that actually matters if you're going against your natural energetic flow. So for example, if you are a night owl and you have the best ideas, like Robin said, she has her best times between like 8 and 9 p.m., don't force yourself to go out of your natural energetic flow and try to be up at 4.30 a.m., because that's not going to work for you. You're going to be exhausted. You're not going to be all there the whole nine yards. So find out what your natural rhythm is. If you're a night owl and you work best at night, rearrange your schedule to where you have dedicated time that time of the day and do your most daunting task or the task that requires the most energy during your prime energetic time. That's another huge thing that's really going to help you as well. Love it. Love it. And it challenges the idea of the conventional workday, right? This eight hour window of time. Well, we all know it's bullshit anyway. It's usually 12 hours if you're doing whatever it takes. And I think that that's really, really important because you end up over time, little things become big things. And all of a sudden you've been doing this for a while. You know, I think about a car in alignment. 
you don't just get in the car and it jerks 90 degrees. It's like years upon years upon years of the same little things that become big things. And all of a sudden, you're burnt the fuck out. And you're wondering why you're not as potent in what you're doing. And it's because you literally have not been honoring things like having fun and doing enjoyable things to then bring that into your work. Like you said earlier about building your business around your life, which I think is huge. I want to go over to, uh, to Jennifer, one of the most high-performing people I know. I would love to know for you, habits, routines, where do you stand with all that stuff? And how would you advise somebody getting ready for the new year? Yeah, so I'll keep this uh, short and sweet. I love the self-awareness in which the responses were given from Robin and Danielle. I was one of those people that went against my natural flow because I was listening to all of the advice from all of these people who were you know, high performers and making all of this money. And then I stopped and realized that these were all men who, even if they did have families, they weren't primarily responsible for them. So I said, fuck whatever you're saying. And I started to lead with self-compassion, self-grace. So mm. rather than what I do is I set weekly goals. So I start my Sundays with a weekly planning session. What is it that I want to achieve this week? And then I have the flexibility throughout the week to get that done. There's one thing I have to do or else I'm not going to be successful in business or personal and that's make my bed. Like that is something I have to do or my brain just can't operate the rest of the day. So I know that about myself. And from there, I just put it on what do I want to achieve this week and then I make that work within my week versus trying to force something to stick every single day. Mm, dig that. And I think that's so crucial. It's right back to the idea of information flow. And I think that that's one of the things out there too is that people are bombarded with pictures of 4.30 in the morning on the watch and you know these, these concepts. And I think that that's a, that's a lot of nonsense, right? It's like, I think it was uh, somebody was talking about Mark Wahlberg like Mark Wahlberg goes to bed at 6 p.m. and wakes up at 2 a.m. to get his workouts in and everything else. And I'm like, well, first and foremost, that's what he does too. take a look at his life. And when did he start doing that? Because I think a lot of times it's like, I'm going to go do that, too. And it's like you don't have that kind of infrastructure. You don't have that kind of money either to like have a chef and to have all these different things that you need to have happen. So there's a lot of extra little things that you need to do. If you didn't make breakfast for yourself, you have to go buy breakfast or whatever. These things take time. And I like what you said about the weeks because the weeks stack into months, months into years, years into decades. And I think that's crucial. Well, not only that, the psychological warfare that happens when you feel inadequate because you can't do mm. what others can do. So it's, it's like accountability by shame. Yeah. yeah. It's like accountability by shame. And I think that that paradigm right there, I think I'm super passionate about. It's, shame serves no purpose to your performance whatsoever. I love this conversation. Let's go over to Jinx. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, sir. I think it's, you know, I, I don't want to speak broadly for all creatives everywhere because I know that we're very, very different. But I think that with creatives, there's more of a chance that you are somewhat of a chaotic person in general. Some of that innovation and some of that creative energy is really just kind of born of chaos. And, and that sort of translates into some of our personal habits as well, you know. So for me, it's I've always wanted Jarvis. Uh, yeah, I've always wanted that perfect digital concierge that's capable of, of knowing all my things and guiding me and structuring me. And I've always worked towards building up my technology usage to sort of do that. I try to automate as much of my life as possible. And I was talking with somebody about this the other day. I was like, you know, I'm like water and water can't be shaped on its own. You have to sort of build walls and conduits and channels for it to flow through, you know. And that's how I use technology. I, I try to pour that creative energy into a set of walls and structures and rituals that help keep me on track. So, you know, not only do I live and die by my calendar, it has to be there or I will completely forget it, 100% guaranteed. 
Uh, in fact, I think Chris and Daniela, uh, we had an almost pizza day one day where we had exactly that problem. It didn't make it out of the calendar and I forgot about it entirely. Um, but more than that, things that, that make it super easy for me to keep all those systems and rituals together. I love Slack for this. The fact that you can plug your calendar into it, the fact that you can plug your CRM and project management tools into it and, and you get little bots that notify you, hey, you've got this to do. Hey, you've got this to do. It's not quite Jarvis, but it's moving in the right direction. And that in the Google Assistant, which has been incredibly helpful for me, and I've been training it more and more, uh, trying to get that more dialed in and zeroed in. Ultimately, my goal is to have that single platform that helps manage all the chaos and ties all of my data and life and routines and structures together. You know, Without that, I am not very productive, I'll tell you that. Perhaps very creative, philosophical. I can come up with all sorts of interesting things, but when it comes to converting that into like business output, I have to have the structure in place around me. So I, I try and build that with software systems. I love that. I definitely honor, like it's an amalgamation of all the things you guys said, especially for me too. I think Jennifer, you were talking about the accountability by shame. And one of the things that that did for me was I found myself living a life in which I was doing so much rigid thinking around my habits and almost like when I didn't do them it was this idea of oh shit I'm not going to see the results I'm looking for if I didn't do my habits today and that's one of the things that I, I, I think the shift for me was which is something like meditation and I share this with clients too and it's if you're doing meditation to do it you're missing the point it's like having sex just to get off it's like you're missing the point there's a level of intimacy there that you're missing and hey whatever your bag is go for it I think that's important but I think the other side of it is is that we again living in a world of social media. I think it's important to, for us to recognize, you know, looking at systems through the lens of humanity and humans like systems. What I mean by that is, is that if we can look through things systematically, we can find and diagnose performance issues. Typically, it's you've added too much to your plate. There wasn't enough time for you to integrate because you weren't planning for integration. Meaning, say you're trying to build a habit in which you're you're adding the gym in the morning. Well, especially as a parent, that might mean you have to wake up an extra two hours in the morning before you can go to the gym. And that's really tricky because then if you don't do it and then it stacks up, then you feel ashamed because you're like, I want to get in shape and I want to do these various things. And then we develop this martyrdom story of like what's really happening. And then we point that at our family and say, it's your fault, right? And that becomes tricky. And then as an individual, as an entrepreneur, for me, one of my greatest challenges has always been is that I go to where my energy is felt the best. And so there are things that I naturally gravitate towards. And for many years, I was every day doing a lot of work as opposed to realizing that sometimes like there might be three days where I'm just doing nothing super productive. And then that fourth day, all of a sudden the burst of energy made up for all four of those days and I got everything done. And that's where it becomes really tricky and challenging because you have to be kind of flexible to where, you know, what Danielle said, your potency and your work works best because then I can get so much done in that environment. And sometimes in the morning and sometimes in the night for me too. So no one thing is going to work for everybody. But I think everybody here was saying, find what works for you and make sure that you stick with it if it's meaningful to you and choose how you want to look at things, whether it's seasons of life and the, the natural flow of things, whether it's you know being a creative and understanding how to create systems around the stuff that you do to, to reinforce. Somebody was talking about your environment. I think that was crucial. Like That's one of the first things you can do is, uh, Jennifer said, make your bed. For me, it's cleaning the room. You know, If I feel like I'm stressed out and out of control and maybe finances aren't looking where I want them to be, I'll start cleaning the house because then it starts to organize things because whether you realize it or not, your brain is just stacking that stuff into the closet where the hinges are ready to explode and you don't know when it's going to explode. Somebody comes home and says, what do you want to eat for dinner? And you just blow up because you just 
you weren't thinking about this stuff just stacking up in the closet. I think this was a great conversation. I think we discussed a lot of stuff in here. We talked about um, everybody in here from their standpoint, uh, what to look for to one, look at at the end of the year and to really think about either purging or at least examining for your next run. I mean, the first of the year is a great time as a, as a milestone, I think, for you to begin to look at it, but don't look at it so rigidly like an end and a beginning. It's just a flow into a new part of the year. I think that's important. And I think that, um, you know, as we discussed the habits, being a minimalist or a, uh, what was it, a sentimental minimalist, whether you're a sentimental minimalist or you don't self-identify with the term hoarder, take a look at what works best for you, I guess, right? But all of this that we discussed today, every single one of us are contributing. So there is going to be an end of the year cleanup checklist for you where we're going to help you go through all the things that we discussed. So if you weren't taking notes and you were driving or listening to this anywhere where you digest the content, you can use this. And you can actually go through every area that we discussed. But remember, and here's the point, sweeping things under the rug just delays the problems and creates environments for them to grow. The more you shove it in the closet, or what about the laundry chairs? Anybody ever had a laundry chair before where all of a sudden you get home and you're just too tired, so you throw everything on the chair, and then after a while, it looks like there's a ghost in your room in the middle of the night when you wake up, because there's just a foreboding figure of your laundry. It's the ghost of laundry past, right? Use this time to tackle what needs to be tackled you can start the new year with clarity and focus. Make sure you get your copy of our holiday housekeeping PDF in the comments and in the show notes. And we look forward to helping you and seeing you next Tuesday. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode. Go to unfuckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show. Mm-hmm.